Guten Tag, fellow humans, and welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 5 of ASM Murder, the only true crime podcast with an ASMR twist. I, of course, am your host, The Guru, and today we will be going back to 1982. Wait, no, 1892. Specifically, August 4th of 1892. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to Massachusetts to hang out with Lizzie Borden and the Borden family. When I was younger, the Lizzie Borden murders never stood out to me as a particularly interesting murder. I guess maybe because it had to stand up to the urban legends of my youth. Mr. Hook on the Hand or Bloody Mary seemed pretty run-of-the-mill to me, to be honest. But when I looked further into the story for the show, I realized how wrong I was. For you see, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. And when she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. This popular, if inaccurate, schoolyard rhyme is based on the murder of a father and mother by the aforementioned Lizzie Borden. But was she really guilty? Content warning. This episode contains graphic content not suitable for some audiences with mention and or descriptions of crime scenes and graphic violence. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Lizzie Borden was raised into a wealthy but frugal family in Fall River, Massachusetts. Lizzie's mother, Sarah Anthony Borden, was married to Lizzie's father, Andrew Jackson Borden, until 1863 when Sarah died. After Sarah's death, Andrew married a woman named Abby Durfee Gray. Lizzie's relationship with her stepmother was formal at best. The relationship was strained from the beginning with Lizzie, along with her older sister, Emma Lenora Borden, reportedly calling her stepmother Mrs. Borden, as if she were a visitor formally stopping in. When asked about her relationship with her stepmother, Lizzie reportedly said that, quote, she believed that Abby had married her father for his wealth, unquote. As for their upbringing, Lizzie and Emma attended church, taught Sunday school to children, were involved in religious organizations, contemporary social movements, and were members of the Ladies' Fruit and Flower Mission. Lizzie's father struggled financially growing up, but eventually prospered in the manufacture and sale of furniture and caskets, and then became a successful property developer. Additionally, Andrew was a director of several textile mills and owned considerable commercial property. He was also the president of the Union Savings Bank and a director of the Durfee Safe Deposit and Trust Company. Andrew was considerably wealthy, but he was known for being quite frugal. Lizzie was reportedly aggravated by this and lobbied often for her father to move the Borden family to the more fashionable neighborhood, The Hill, which was further from the industrial areas of the city and carried higher social status. This was also not the only sticking point Lizzie had with her father. One defining moment in Lizzie's life came at the hands of her father in which Andrew killed multiple pigeons in his barn with a hatchet, believing that they were attracting local children to hunt them. As it turns out, Lizzie actually liked the pigeons and even had built a roost for them. When her father decided to viciously kill them all, Lizzie was very upset. In July of 1892, an unknown family argument prompted both sisters to take extended vacations after it was thought that there was rising tension between Lizzie, her sister, and their father and stepmother. 
When the Borden sisters decided to return to Fall River only a week before their father and stepbrother were murdered, Lizzie chose to stay in a local rooming house for four days before returning to the family residence. And if you thought the Borden sisters' time away helped relieve the tensions growing within their family, you would be wrong. This tension had actually been brewing for months, and one of the final straws seemed to be the father's gifts of real estate to various branches of their stepmother's family. After their stepmother received a house, Lizzie and Emma demanded and received a rental property, but not just any rental property. The actual home they had lived in until their mother died. Nonetheless, the Borden sisters succeeded in purchasing this house from their father for a dollar, and then they apparently sold it back to him for five thousand. There seems to not be many details as to why they bought the house and then sold it right back to their father, beyond possibly being financially strategic with the successful outcome of $4,999 profit. However, the night before the murders of Andrew and Abby, the Borden sisters' uncle on their mother's side dropped in for a visit and was invited to stay for a few days to discuss business matters with his brother-in-law Andrew. There is speculation that this business meeting between the Borden sisters' uncle and their father had specifically to do with property transfer and may have aggravated an already tense situation. On the morning of August 4th, 1892, Andrew, Abby, Lizzie, their uncle, and the Borden's maid were present in Andrew's house. At one point, Andrew and the Borden sisters' uncle went to the sitting room where they conversed for almost an hour while Emma had left to go out of town. Once the meeting between Andrew and the Borden sisters' uncle had concluded, their uncle left at around 8.30 a.m. but planned to return for lunch. Andrew left shortly thereafter for his routine morning walk around 9 a.m. After the two men left the house, Abby reportedly went upstairs between 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. to make beds throughout the different bedrooms. This chore usually fell on Lizzie and Emma as part of their responsibilities. Nonetheless, it was while Abby was cleaning the bedrooms that she turned in in the final moments of her life was surprised by her killer as they advanced on her. Through countless forensic investigations of this murder, Abby was reportedly first struck on the side of the head with a hatchet, which cut her just above the ear, causing her to turn and fall face down on the floor, creating contusions on her nose and forehead. Her killer then struck her multiple times, delivering 17 more direct hits to the back of her head, killing her. According to both Borden sisters, they were completely unaware that their stepmother was being bludgeoned to death with a hatchet and never heard any sounds such as screams associated with a human being that was being murdered to death just upstairs. When Andrew returned home at 10.30 a.m., he strangely found himself unable to get through the door into his home. He had initially used his key, but when it did not work, he knocked and the Borden family maid indicated that the door was jammed. As she was trying to get the door open, she reported later that she heard Lizzie laughing and that the laughter was coming from the top of the stairs. This was considered significant as Abby was already dead by this time, and Lizzie later denied being upstairs at all. She testified that her father had asked her where Abby was, to which she replied that, quote, a messenger had delivered Abby a summons to visit a sick friend, end quote. Andrew accepted this explanation as to where his wife was at that time, as Lizzie assisted him in removing his boots and helped him into his slippers before he lay down on the sofa for a nap. The Borden's family maid also went upstairs to take a nap on the third floor, after stating she felt ill, 
but didn't get much rest in before she heard Lizzie yell for her to come quick, father's dead, someone came in and killed him. When the Borden family maid came running down the stairs to the first floor, she observed Andrew was slumped on a couch in the downstairs sitting room, struck ten or eleven times with a hatchet-like weapon. One of his eyes had been split cleanly in two, suggesting that he had been asleep when attacked. His still-bleeding wound suggested a very recent attack. Shortly thereafter, Abby was also found in a second-floor bedroom murdered. The Borden family doctor was called to the scene and pronounced both Abby and Andrew prominent members of Fall River Society as being brutally murdered in their own home. News traveled fast that Abby and Andrew had received multiple blows to the head with a hatchet and the only serious suspect was Andrew's 32-year-old unmarried daughter Lizzie who was at the house during the killings. Because of this, any hope of preserving a crime scene was ruined when literally thousands of Fall River citizens came to the Borden house to see the gruesome murder scene for themselves. Lizzie, who was almost immediately treated as the prime and only suspect, was beside herself with anxiety and was prescribed morphine after the murders to help calm her nerves. Because of this, a modern-day explanation theorized that Lizzie's inquest testimonies were inconsistent, perhaps owing to the fact that she was on high-powered drugs. Nonetheless, there was no initial mercy for Lizzie, who had become a media and gossip sensation, despite the many theories as to why she might have committed these atrocities, including that she was the victim of incest at the hand of her father, or was angry with him for killing her pet pigeons, or simply sick of his strict and rigid ways, ready to inherit his wealth and stop living under his thumb. Lizzie's inquest hearing began August 8, 1892, and it was off to quite a start, as her request to have her family attorney present was refused under a state statute providing that an inquest must be held in private. Additionally, Lizzie was regularly taking morphine under a doctor's care to calm her nerves. Because of this, it is believed that her testimony was affected by the regular intake of the high-powered drug as her behavior was erratic and she often refused to answer a question even if the answer would be beneficial to her. She often contradicted herself and provided alternating accounts of the morning in question, such as saying she was in the kitchen reading a magazine when her father arrived home, then saying she was in the dining room doing some ironing, and then saying she was coming down the stairs. She also said she removed her father's boots and put slippers on him, while the police photographs clearly show him wearing his boots. Lizzie's trial began on June 5, 1893 and lasted for five days. During the trial, major points of contention were debated. The first was that during Lizzie's trial, another axe murder had occurred in Fall River. This victim was found hacked to death in her kitchen, and the similarities between this victim and Andrew and Abby Borden's murders were striking and noted by jurors. A suspect in the other axe murder was found guilty in that case, but had a solid alibi in the Borden's murder. Another point of contention was the search that was conducted in the Borden's house after Andrew and Abby's murder. Investigators found a hatchet head in the Borden's basement, which was not convincingly demonstrated by the prosecution to be the murder weapon. But it did give people pause as to why it was there and where, by the way, was the axe handle. The prosecution pounced on this opportunity and presented the theory that the axe handle would have been soaked with blood and must have been destroyed so as to cover up any incriminating evidence. And another point of contention, Lizzie's presence at the home and exactly where she was located in the home. According to the Borden's maid, she, the maid, entered the second floor of the home at around 10.58 a.m. and left Lizzie and her father downstairs. Lizzie, however, told several people that she went into the barn and was not in the house for 20 minutes or possibly a half an hour. 
This had apparently been witnessed by two separate people at 11.10 a.m. And once back inside the house, Lizzie testified that she called the Borden maid downstairs and told her Andrew had been murdered and ordered her not to enter the room. Instead, Borden sent her to get a doctor. At another point in the trial, and a moment that is a testament to how far we have come with forensic science, both Andrew and Abby's heads had been removed during autopsy, and the skulls were admitted as evidence in the trial and presented on June 5, 1893. Upon seeing them in the courtroom, Borden fainted. Once both the prosecution and defense had rested from presenting their cases, the judge delivered a lengthy summary that supported the defense as his charge to the jury before it was sent to deliberate on June 20th, 1893. After an hour and a half of deliberation, the jury acquitted Borden of the murders. When Lizzie was advised she was exonerated and free to go upon leaving the courthouse, she told the reporters waiting outside that she was the happiest woman in the world. As always, I am humbled and honored to be able to share this time with you. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me. As usual, I try to drop new episodes every Monday, more or less faithfully. And you can find those episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Podcast. If you like what you hear, leave me a good review. You can also find these episodes on my website at murderpod.net. That's M-U-R-D-E-R-P-O-D.net. I'll leave a link in the description. This is The Groove, signing off for now. Until next time, be kind to yourselves, be good to each other.